calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Welcome to a special episode of our Tech 15 series from CFA Institute's 71st Annual Conference in Hong Kong. My name is Srinivas Kunte. I am the Director for Continuing Education and Advocacy at CFA Institute. We have a very distinguished speaker today. I am honored to be interviewing Nobel Laureate Dr. Daniel Kahneman. Very pleased to be here. Uh, Dr. Kahneman, I just wanted to start with uh, the prospect theory paper that came out in March of 1979. And after that, uh, over the next three, four decades, it seems there's a brave new world, uh, a brand new world of behavioral economics. Companies, not all of them, some of them, they are hiring chief behavioral officers. Just like CFOs, we now have CBOs. But on the other hand, if you look at the water cooler conversations or the gossip, has that gossip become intelligent? Please, can you review uh, these two changes? Uh, well, you know, prospect theory was influential primarily because it influenced Richard Thaler, who just got the Nobel Prize. He created, uh, he created uh, behavioral economics as we know it. The main idea from prospect theory, I think, that, uh, that has been widely adopted is the idea of a reference point with loss aversion. And that, uh, that has so, certainly percolated quite widely. Now, with respect to the water cooler uh, conversation, uh, you know, I'm not sure you're right because um, two words have, or two expressions, I think, have become very prevalent. One is bias, explaining errors by biases, and and the other one is thinking fast and slow. Yes. It, and those two ideas are in the water cooler now. In fact. I'm involved in writing a book that said that we use the word bias too much. But, okay. uh, so I think uh, the water cooler has, has received uh, two ideas. That's a lot for a lifetime. I may stand corrected, but now if you look at organizations and what orga organizations can do versus individuals, do they have more influence in, uh, in, uh, in, in bringing change? Uh, and there are long-term investors like pension funds. What should they be doing? Uh, your thoughts on that? Well, uh, you know, I don't think that we have had any effect on governance or on the thinking of boards and so on. Uh, I hope that maybe our next book will have more, more influence because it's fairly practical. And uh, with respect, with respect to investment, and you know, 
all behavior economists are against active investing. I mean, yes. this is this is just I might as well say it outright yes. uh, because we think we think the market is unpredictable or very very difficult to predict, and uh, and yet we believe people who believe they can predict the market, and and that illusion I think is very important. So. You mentioned about active investing, so let me go to the role of intuition. And uh, you've, uh, in some of the talks, I think it's been mentioned that stock picking is a difficult domain for intuition to play any role. Uh, are there any other investment subdomains that are easier compared to stock picking? Well, uh, the reason that intuition uh, cannot be acquired, I think, in stock picking, is that there are, there are no regularities in stock picking to be learned. Uh, you develop intuition from successful experience, and a lot of it, and immediate feedback. Whether there are areas uh, of investments, my guess is that probably intuition does play a role in the primary stage of investment in venture capital, in people evaluating new ideas. Right. I, I believe that uh, there is a role both for formal system and for intuitions at that stage. Where there are functioning markets, if, the, if there are faults in the market, right. if the market isn't working properly, then intuition can develop. Right. But with well-functioning markets, I don't see intuition having a role in investment. I wanted to come to the next question on, on, on the, in this entire field of behavioral theory. What excites you now? You mentioned you're writing a book, uh, but what are the new frontiers? We hear words like neuroeconomics. We hear, uh, you know, people are looking at different parts of the brain. Uh, but what excites you? Well. Uh, Two things excite me, and on one of them I'm doing something. Uh, I'm excited about artificial intelligence. Okay. I think this is possibly, this is going to affect our lives long before brain research. So although brain research is wonderful, artificial intelligence is already very exciting. And the, my personal uh, focus of interest now is on a source of error that I think has not been sufficiently recognized, in part because too much emphasis on bias. And that source of error is random error. It's right. noise. Right. It's, uh, you know, underwriters who should agree, don't agree. Uh, and, you know, claims adjusters, loans approval, physicians, they don't agree with themselves very often, yes. and they certainly don't agree with other people. And that creates a source of error that I want to analyze and publicize, and which I think organizations can do something about. Right. So on the behavioral learning curve, many of our members, and we have got 150,000 members around the world, uh, what should they be doing to keep themselves up on this learning curve? How can they you know, become self-critical? How can they become skeptical? Are there any? Uh, easy suggestions or advice uh, on that? No, I don't. Uh, uh, you know, you will learn a lot from reading some books. 
And I would, I would recommend the book by my friend Richard Thaler, the yes. most recent Nobel laureate. He's written a book, Misjud uh, yeah, Misbehaving, yes. which, which is readable. Right. And it's, it, it has humor. It's fairly, but when you finish that book, you'll have learned something. Right. I would recommend for anybody who has not read Nudge should read Nudge. Yes, I agree. They're fantastic book. Since we have some time, let me go back to the, uh, this point on artificial intelligence. Is, can intelligence really be artificial? And, you know, is there something associated with deep learning where, you know, machines kind of look at data sets again and again and then start to, you know... Well, I mean, artificial intelligence these days is deep learning. Okay. So, uh, and, and the successes of it are extraordinary. Right. So, just last week I was visiting Demi Sasabis, who is possibly the most successful of, right. of uh, the leaders of that group. Uh, it's his group, DeepMind, which was acquired by Google, right. that defeated the world champion in Go last yes. year. And yes. there is a film which, by the way, I recommend watching. Right. An excellent film about that battle between DeepMind or AlphaGo and uh, Lee Si-dol, I think, the okay. Korean world champion. And it was, it's a beautiful film. Right. I wanted to come to the last question on human suffering. Uh, it's a difficult question uh, and well-being. How should, how, what are your thoughts on you know, who should change, what should happen so that human suffering goes down? Well, uh, when, you know, there are many places where things are obvious because suffering is very obvious. So extreme poverty, it's obvious that it's associated with suffering. Uh, health, sickness is associated with suffering. Mental health, is associated with suffering. So, and, and in some areas, some kinds of work are associated with, is associated with suffering, and war certainly is. So all of these are fairly obvious areas. And, and in some sense, you know, I think it's very nice that people are concerned with well-being and with happiness, but my personal wish is that they would concentrate on reducing suffering because there is too much of it. Right. I mean, the established models, you know, you've got policymakers, regulators, and the public, uh, where, you know, uh, uh, we are interacting and we are trying to set the rules. Uh, so does it mean that, uh, you know, it is going to be a kind of a confluence of the public, uh, you know, requesting the policymakers, the politicians uh, to effect change and... Uh, no, I think, I think there has been a change uh, which started in, in the UK, in the United Kingdom. Yes, yes. And, yes. and there has been a change toward making policy explicitly right. uh, directed at the well-being of the population. Right. And oddly enough, I mean, somewhat surprising, but the change was, happened under a conservative government. Right. And... And it's been led by a Labour lord, Lord Laird. Right. And it's accomplished quite a bit in the UK. Right. 
we should uh, we should all look forward to you know looking at what uk has done and maybe you know implement that in our respective countries but uh, thank you very much dr kaneman for your time and for being with us today uh, incredibly grateful for that uh, it's been a pleasure thank you viewers for listening in copyright 2018 cfa institute all rights reserved this program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered it is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.